Uh, If you have your Bibles or your phones, uh, go with me to Exodus 35. We only have a few more weeks in Exodus before uh, going into another series, and I I pray this time has been a blessing to you. It's it's certainly been uh, a blessing to me, uh, and I'm sure for Pastor Brian. One of the amazing things about Scripture is that it is an inexhaustible resource. Amen? You can go back to it again and again and again and each time discover something new and beautiful, something different about God and his love for us. And I'm really, really excited about that. I've read through these texts in Exodus a number of times, but never have I gotten more than I've gotten during our time uh, in Exodus over the last year. Uh, so again, um, clearly it's been a blessing to uh, us. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If there is anything that you have missed, uh, we do want to encourage you to visit our YouTube channel to catch up on anything that you have missed. In Exodus 35, there's a lot of uh, imagery, a lot of language that's been used in uh, previous chapters uh, on anything regarding the tabernacle. There's so much duplication Uh, In fact, that some early scholars believed that uh, the entire chapter 35 could have been removed. But God doesn't see repetition like we do. Amen? For some of us, it's, it's, it's an annoyance. And there is very similar language uh, between chapters 25 and 30, uh, some in 31, and then, of course, here in 35, and then on throughout um, chapter 39. But whenever God is repeating himself, he's not saying this is redundant, you can take it out. He's saying this is important. Pay attention. And with this text this morning, we're moving into our our final section of the book of Exodus. And uh, these last chapters will focus pretty much exclusively on the building of of the tabernacle. Excuse me. Now, part of the thing, at least for me, that's significant about that is the fact that it almost didn't even happen. I don't know if you recall, uh, as we've been walking here, uh, chapter 32, as Moses is up on the mountaintop with God, Israel grew weary of waiting for Moses and decided to uh, instead look to an idol, In verse 1 of chapter 32, we see the people talking to Aaron and saying, Come, make gods for us who will go before us. Because this Moses, we don't know what happened to him. And so you get no no pushback from Aaron, at least in the scriptures. We don't see any pushback from Aaron. He he goes right on and does uh, what they ask of him. In in verse 2, saying, take off the gold rings that are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and and bring them to me. So Aaron takes the gold of free will offering, if you will, which we'll see again in chapter 35, and fashions for them a golden calf. And the people of Israel said, these are your gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, this infraction was so major that God was ready to literally wash his hands of the lot of them and start all over. 
saying to Moses in uh, verses 9 and 10 of that chapter, I have seen this people and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. This is pretty bad, right? What we see here is an offense so great that God looks to make good on the promise without his presence. If we move then from uh, Exodus 32 to Exodus 33, God says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. It appears as if this is it for Israel, for the chosen people. The very thing that made Israel Israel was that their God was Yahweh, the I Am. That he was present, that he was active, not just in their deliverance, but in their day-to-day lives and the provision, keeping them throughout all their time in the wilderness and the object of their worship. The purpose of the tabernacle that they're creating, that we've been reading and talking so much about, was to create a space for the presence of God to dwell with the people that he might continue to be present and active in their lives, that he might continuously be the object of their worship. But in their decision to look to and worship something they created rather than the creator, they were in danger of losing the creator. Have you ever had a failure that seemed final? Have you ever had a moment in your walk with God where your mess felt so massive that you couldn't possibly move past it? You felt you couldn't move past it. A problem that was so persistent that you wondered if the presence of God in your life would be forever lost. As we look to our text this morning, we'll see three sections, the Sabbath, the, uh, the contribution, and the tabernacle. For our discussion, we'll only look at the first two, and I hope to encourage my heart and yours with a few beautiful reminders uh, from God's word for times where you feel less than who God has called you to be. Amen? Look with me at Exodus 35, verses 1 through 3. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest. Excuse me. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So again, the focus of these uh, last few chapters move exclusively to the building of the tabernacle. But before anything is mentioned about the building, he reminds them of the covenant. Before any work is done, he calls their attention to Holy Sabbath. Israel's distinction from all the other people around them comes from their covenant relationship with God. A covenant that was founded on God's law, God's word to them. And a relationship that was violated by Israel when they chose, again, to worship the golden calf. So in commanding the Sabbath, God is saying to Israel, let's get back to the basics. Let's start over again. 
You see, because obedience is better than sacrifice. So it doesn't matter as we get into the second section and they talk about bringing the contribution to the Lord. The contribution isn't as important to God as their obedience to his word is. Building a tabernacle to hold his presence means nothing if we can't hold to his word. This is where relationship with God starts. Amen? In his word and not in our works. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of lawlessness. For Israel to be without God's law was to be without God. And so in relaunching, if you will, this building project, his primary concern wasn't the work. It was his word and their obedience to that word. And this is not some insignificant task that God is calling them to. It's the tabernacle, the place of meeting, the place where Israel will worship and commune and fellowship with God. And yet still he places his word above that work, his word, his obedience for them to Sabbath. These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days you shall work. But on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath. So even a work as important as the tabernacle, God expected Israel to honor Sabbath. Look with me at the next few verses, starting at verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. A few things jumped out to me as I was reading this, and the first one probably didn't occur to you, but I'm asking myself, where did all this stuff come from? Right? They, they've been in the wilderness for a while now. There's no Lowe's or Home Depot for the acacia wood. Right? There's no fabric store for the fine twine linens or the uh, yarns. There's no taxidermist set up selling goat hair and tan skins. And nobody's coming to Moses with uh, uh, precious metals and stones saying he went to Jared. Amen. That was my one. Amen. Amen. Scripture says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. So these were things that Israel already had. But again, where did they come from? Well, if you look back to Exodus 12, starting in verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. 
So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had done, had done, excuse me, had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, Scripture says, they plundered the Egyptians. Where did it come from? The Egyptians. So the first thing that jumps out is that everything that they needed to fulfill what God was calling them to, God had already provided them. Amen. God doesn't ask them to do anything outside of their ability because he had already made them able. The second thing that jumps out is uh, uh, the fact that the first thing on God's requisition list is the very thing that they used to offend God. Look back at the text, or rather, Exodus 32. Again, you have Aaron saying, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me, Exodus 35, 5. Take from among you contributions to the Lord. Whosoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. What's the first thing that's listed? Gold. The very thing that they use to offend God is the first thing that God asked them for. I don't see this as a coincidence nor uh, uh, any sort of perversion or strange fire, you see, because the gold belongs to God anyway. Psalm 24 and 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. There is nothing in, on, below, or above the earth that the devil can lay claim to, to pervert for God's use because God created it all. So it all belongs to God. Number three, God is looking at your heart above your gift. Whoever is of a generous heart, verse 5, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him, verse 21. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, verse 22. Nobody gave who wasn't moved, who wasn't stirred who it wasn't in their heart to give. Why so much focus on the heart of the giver? Because God knows the truest, most selfless form of giving comes from a heart that's submitted to God. Hear the word of the Lord in Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which, was, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the, who though, rather, excuse me, he didn't think, he, he was, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming, here's that word, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even before Christ gave, he was obedient. God looking at the heart. Amen. 
Beyond your heart, he's looking at, beyond your gift, excuse me, he's looking at your heart. So I want to share before we leave three very beautiful reminders as we look back on Israel and yet forward to whatever God may be calling you to or us to. Not necessarily in the order that the scripture took them, Sabbath, contribution, tabernacle. I want to start with the contribution. With the contribution, we are reminded that God is our provision. Amen? In our text, we see everything that God asked Israel for was already something that they possessed. Not that Israel came about any of these resources in their own strength, but God, knowing what he would require of them, generously put those things in his hand. Reminds me of the, the, the people of Israel standing at the Red Sea and, 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 and they're clamoring against Moses. And so Moses turns to God and like, you know, God, what you going to do? And, and God says, Moses, what's in your hand? God already generously puts all things. Second Peter, I believe, says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whatever task God has called you to, he's already provided the means for you to fulfill that call. He simply requires your willing heart and your obedience. Amen. So as you look to make your contribution, again, ask yourself, what is it that I have? Take stock of your time, your talent, and your treasure, and look for opportunities to make God known through the things you already have. And the beautiful thing, and probably the tough thing for us, is that it might be something that wouldn't immediately come to your mind because it may be something that you use to offend God with. See, with those things, we tend to hide those. Remember uh, Adam, man, and woman in the garden when they knew they were naked and they heard the voice of the Lord coming in the garden, what did they do? They hid themselves. But just like the children of Israel, as they offered the gold, or they raised up rather the golden calf, the very first thing that God asked them for in the contribution was their idol. The beautiful thing about being redeemed is God doesn't just redeem us. He redeems our stuff. So your house, your job, your car, your money, it all belongs to God. Amen? And he can use it all for his glory. Lastly, everyone has something to offer. We have a tendency to make decisions about what God needs or doesn't need, but uh, or what he can use and what he can't use. But when we look at the text and we see Israel responding uh, as the Lord gives a call to bring a contribution to the Lord, it wasn't just the men. It was also the women. And it wasn't just gold or silver or bronze. It was those with wood and those with goat's hair and tan skins. So we can't look at someone else's contribution and think that God can't use ours. Amen? Number two, with the Sabbath, we are reminded to rest in God. 
In our text, we see God calling Israel to a day of Sabbath. And while uh, we should take opportunities ourselves to rest and reflect on what God has uh, done and is doing in our lives, I think the idea of resting in God goes a little deeper for us. Because we have something that they do not. We have a resurrected Christ. It's not just the idea of God's finished work in creation, a seventh day, if you will, that he invites us to. He invites us into the finished work of Christ. And please note again for our text, God asked Israel to bring, before rather, God invited Israel to bring a contribution. He invited them or rather commanded them to honor the Sabbath, to rest. We don't have to get ready for God. We'll never be ready for God. God's only requirement in calling us to work and to obedience, uh, rather in calling us to work for him, is our obedience and our submitted heart to Christ. And the stain of our idolatry can only be washed away by the blood of Christ. And while it may not be a golden calf, certainly anything that we would put in place uh, uh, that would be our provider, that would be our God, that would be our comfort, that we would look to anything for for those reasons other than God would be considered an idol. We don't want to be like those in Matthew 7, those who came and had this laundry list of works that they thought would be enough to justify them before God. And God turns them away, saying, I never knew you. Depart from me. The only thing that squares our account with God is the suffering Savior who lived the life that we couldn't live. The one who offered perfect obedience to God. The one who himself was the spotless lamb who was sacrificed for your sin and for mine. The one who rose with all power in heaven and earth and who now sits at the right hand of God making intercession for us. The only way to get right with God is through Jesus. So when we answer the call, Jesus, uh, excuse me, when we answer the call of Jesus, saying in the scripture, come to me all ye who labor and who are heavy laden and I will give you rest, We receive a rest greater than that of Israel because it's not just a day. It's an eternal rest. And when we, in response to the work that he has done, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, Romans 12 says, holy and acceptable to him, which is our reasonable service, the end result is a life of worship. As a matter of fact, I think the ESV does say, which is your spiritual worship. There is no tabernacle required for you and I to worship God. There is no tent of meeting. There are no incense to burn. There are no uh, 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 festivals or, or any type of requirements for us to come to him. No washing. There hasn't, there, there's no Crawford and I have no uh, headdresses and robes. There's no ephod, no breastplate. It's, it's only Jesus. But he's more than enough. Amen. So I encourage you as you move from this place first to consider that there is a work for you. And you've heard this time and time again. There is a work for you. It may be different from the next person, but there is a work for you. 
But before you enter that work, the most important thing is that God has your heart. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you.